Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Weekly Word Podcast. I'm Chris Hout, AIM Coach, and you've tuned in or downloaded a um, race week sort of prep um, edition of the Weekly Word Podcast. I'm racing my first Ironman in three years, and despite having done 38, I think of them, I think of them, um, over the past 20 years now, I... Uh, I haven't done one in a couple of years. And so I'm going into it with a different mindset and a different approach and a different enjoyment factor for this weekend. And I thought I'd share that this week on this extra episode, um, this in-between episode, as those in the podcast industry seem to call it, um, for this week. So I'm not going to give it a number, but instead I'm just going to call it an in-between episode and sort of a race prep and race mindset episode of the Weekly Word Podcast. As I talk about in this podcast, I'm going to do another short podcast um, once I'm on site in Canada, in Whistler, after I meet with my athletes and go over some more observations and things like that there, and then talk a little bit more detail about my plan and race the next day. I'll probably record on Saturday, and again, keep that pretty short. And Part of this intro, I always want to remind everybody that this is about ultra endurance um, racing and events and adventures. And the purpose of the Weekly Word podcast is to help you and gain more insight and prep and knowledge and education and sharing stories and mindset tips so that you can be successful um, in your ultra endurance adventure and in your steps to becoming an athlete that wants to do ultra endurance adventures. Just because you're not doing them yet doesn't mean you can't use a lot of these insights and tips and ideas and storylines and past experiences to apply them somewhat in some way to how you're training and how you have a vision of taking on bigger endurance challenges in the future. And so that's what this is all about to inspire you and to give you a clearer path and a more realistic path and an educated path towards taking on your own ultra endurance adventure, whatever that is, adventure, event, race, your own adventure or event that you're putting together. Um, I have athletes now that sort of with their friends are putting together bike rides of six days, four days, three days over a variety of mountain passes and so forth. It's their own endurance adventure. That's awesome. 100 or 110 miles a day and a lot of climbing. That's what this is all about. You outside living life, embracing adventure, being fit, being healthy, eating healthy, living healthy, and portraying a lifestyle that the people around you can feel the energy and the positive vibes and your satisfaction with using your body to do something amazing. And that energy feeds others and creates just more community and harmony and awesome awesome vibes around you and it just makes them better people because they want to feel that too and it makes you a better person because you're feeling like what you're doing matters beyond your own journey beyond your own outcome and it also pulls people closer to you that have a similar mindset and have a similar curiosity to being the best 
um, potential self and endurance athlete that they can be. So I hope you enjoyed this um, in-between episode. And uh, again, as always, if you have questions or thoughts or um, ideas for the podcast or something or feedback, just send it my way. And um, I'm always trying to grow it and have more engagement by you, the listener, and make sure I'm hitting things that are interesting and applicable to all of you. So enjoy. Well, here I am. It's Wednesday before an Ironman. And I realized last night that I've never recorded a podcast where I myself am actually doing an Ironman. I started this weekly word podcast prior to my um, Wasatch 100 mile endurance run. And since then, I've only done one triathlon, which was Coeur d'Alene last year. And so I thought it'd be fun to go through this process with all of you over the next few days, the lead in, the countdown and race day. Now, the podcasts might not be as long as they usually are, um, because I'm going to record some thoughts and some insights and some plans each day, hopefully, that's the plan right now. But also, I think it's important to understand how we all embrace our ultra endurance journey. And what I mean by that is that we all have a purpose. We all have a deep down reason for why we're doing these things. And many of us have reached a point in our lives, in our growth, in our endurance, in our careers, and with our families, where Doing these events is more than just crossing the finish line. It's discovering what we're capable of, what our potential is, and what we can overcome, where our perseverance is, how we're finishing unfinished business. And it might not be in the sport of triathlon or running or swimming or biking, but just unfinished business inside of us. Many of you have heard my talk with regards to meaning and the new meaning and the man's new search for meaning with regards to being outdoors and nature and connecting to our abilities and our true self. And I continue to believe that as I go into this weekend adventure, as I've called it with regards to Ironman. I believe that us being outdoors and connecting with our better self, with our quiet self, with our mind, with our physicality, with our raw animal nature of human beings that we are, when we're swimming and biking and running over terrain, over territory, over this beautiful earth. Um, it is very powerful and it's meaningful for many. For many equally, it's not that meaningful. It's just a sporting event. But I think many of you are listening to this and have followed the Weekly Word podcast and my coaching and sort of what I talk about because the I think you believe and see and feel and sense that there's more to this with regards to the journey, with regards to the energy and the positive vibes it creates, the things that are happening in our body and health and lifestyle and fitness and energy and creativity and beauty and nature. There's so many descriptions to all of this. And so... That's part of this process with regards to going into this weekend's Ironman. I had a very specific outcome for this season. The specific outcome is to do a variety of endurance events as I lead into Ultraman Hawaii 
if I get in. And in order to get in, I need to complete an Ironman. And so that will be this weekend in order to add to that checklist of entry requirements. But I also was very specific that I wanted to be sure that I'm doing all the events and reconnecting with all the events, not only that I coach, but that will be important for the Ultraman experience. My 100K run, um, what is two months ago, it was a good day. It was an enjoyable day. It was a nice day. It was um, an immersive day. It was a lot of emotions day, not because of something going wrong or going extremely well, but it was just nice to be out there again, deep in a ultra endurance run. It's been a while since I've done one and I really enjoy them like that. Um, last year, I was not able to finish Lake Sonoma 50 miler. So this year, um, being able to work my way through the 100K, the 63 miles that it was, um, was nice. And it was a checklist of uh, a checkbox of an event I've always wanted to do in my backyard and on the running trails that I run every, every week, basically. So having done that and coming out of it healthy and in a positive experience, now I'm moving on to Ironman. And as I go into this weekend and think about my prep, it's been good. No, it's not been this magical lead up or powerful lead up or familiar lead up that I would usually do to Ironman. But again, like we talked about on the last podcast, that was not the intent. Originally, I'd said I would want to do the fitness and I would want to have the ability to take on the endurance events that this year present themselves. And what one of those is Ironman Canada coming up. So Am I fit enough to swim 2.4 miles and bike 112 miles and run 26.2 miles? For sure, absolutely. But I also wanna soak up this weekend with regards to friends, with regards to loved ones, with regards to the experience, with regards to a beautiful location. And I wanna go into it with somewhat of the adventure of it all. I will be racing on a bike that I'm borrowing. I'm not traveling with my bike, so. I will use somebody else's bike. I will be racing, not having done an Ironman in three years. So re-familiarizing myself with the entire process of, you know, the food and the drink and the equipment and the gear and the wetsuit and the helmets and the, all the stuff. There's a lot of stuff that goes into an Ironman. So, but I want to be able to keep a mindset um, all weekend of enjoying it. Not that it's going to be my last time. No but that I really want to enjoy it as part of a bigger picture step for the rest of the season, as well as the entire weekend and the training still ahead. I have another 10 hour-ish event coming up with Attilo again, and the Swim Run World Championship in Sweden. So again, that too will be an experience. It will be an immersive experience, a good endurance experience with friends in a beautiful location, really connected to nature again. So the theme here is what was my desired outcome at the beginning of the season and am I completing that? The 100K was and it did everything that I wanted it to do. I got through it healthy. It built a good running fitness. I was fit enough for 10 to 11 hours of an activity and I've since added cycling to the menu of fitness and now I'm going into an Ironman healthy, 
and excited, not necessarily to race, but to experience it again. And don't don't worry. I mean, I'm not discounting what the outcome will be on Sunday. I always try to race to my best current ability. So I will try hard and I will work hard and I will never ever take a race opportunity as a lackadaisical thing. I think it's a gift. It's a blessing. It's an opportunity always to race, to have this healthy fitness, to be able to race an Ironman on a given Sunday. And I would never, ever take that for granted. It's just not part of my DNA, as well as the mindset I have towards this entire ultra endurance space. But I also don't want to be on edge. I don't want to be negative. I don't want to um, overlook my friends and my family. I want to be positive about the entire process. I don't want to take myself too seriously because the result is not the outcome. Um, of course, finishing is the outcome, but enjoying the day, truly enjoying the day so that when I cross that finish line on Sunday evening, I have a smile on my face knowing I felt good. That was fun. It's got to be fun. And the lead-in for the weekend has to be fun as well in order for that finish line to be fun. If I'm too serious or take myself too serious or overlook those that are there to support me and enjoy the weekend as well, then the fun of the finish line and the sensation of the fun race will have fallen off or been diminished a bit because it's a circle of friends. It's a circle of harmony. It's a circle of fun and friendship and love, which is what the full outcome, the bigger picture outcome of the weekend is. So that being said, here it is Wednesday. I had a great five-hour ride on Monday after being a week off the bike um, in vaca on vacation in Washington, D.C., which was great, a little bit more than a week off the bike. So I jumped on a triathlon bike on Monday and trained for five hours just to get some endurance legs back. Nothing too intense, but just enjoying the bike ride enjoying to be back out there for a long day and getting comfortable in the time trial position. Um, in general, my time trial position is quite um, easy for me to fall into. And so the I didn't feel much of anything, a little bit more hamstring engagement that I felt late in the ride. Um, and of course, saddle position is something different than the road position. So that was noticeable as well. Yesterday, I swam um, long course outside, which is beautiful in sunny weather and um, got in a fair amount of meters and then I had a nice afternoon trail run. Today, I taught cycling class, which was great. It's good to see all my athletes and class participants again after missing last week on vacation. And um, we had a lot of fun this morning. And this afternoon, I'm going to do a, a run, a building run, probably 15, 15, 15, where I start easy, then I go medium, and I'll end with 15 minutes fast. If things are clicking well and I, I'm in the mood, I might go 20, 20, 20, but same purpose. Tomorrow I travel. Tomorrow we fly to Canada um, and we land in Vancouver and word on the street is that I'm going to be able to swim in this um, 137 meter kits pool, which I'm really excited about. I've never even heard of this pool, but one of my athletes, she's a coach up there, 
and she's taking us there and introducing us to this this unique opportunity to swim which means i'll be heading up to whistler in the afternoon then on friday that means meeting with the athletes that are up there that i coach there's going to be one two three athletes four athletes participating um, because there's also a half iron man that day on Sunday. So I have a half Ironman racer and three Ironman racers. So I'll meet with them and go over the race and talk about their food and their hydration and their breakfast and their pacing and their thoughts and how they're looking to go about their day. And what's nice about that and also part of this podcast is by verbalizing it and talking with others about it, it allows me to crystallize my plan and my vision for the day. Um, I think that's very important and it's something I've always done and I just do in general in my daily life where when I go to bed at night, I envision how I want the next day to go as well as when I plan for races or think about races, I go through the process on how I envision the day to go. Now, important here is with regards to desired outcomes and my vision on how I want the day to go. I don't create any type of artificial limits. Now, what I mean by that is I'm not looking for a time or I'm not looking for a placing. I'm looking to stay super present in all the activities that I'll be doing on Sunday in the race, which is a, a, a powerful swim. Um, things, descriptions like that, where I feel good about my swimming fitness, where I feel like I'm moving through the water well, like I'm grabbing a fair amount of water with my stroke, that I have the ability to surge forward when I need to or slash the, the course opens up and I can swim better, more powerful, and longer. And then I can then back off again when it gets too full or congested. So those changes in speed are part of a fitness ability. And I want to stay connected to that. I don't want to suffer in, in the swim. I want to feel good about it. And I want to pay attention. I want to make sure that my stroke and my kick and my balance in the water, my breathing and my rhythm is all in line so that I can have a good swim. Whether that swims a 49 or a 56, doesn't matter. If I feel the things I need to feel or want to feel in the swim, I will be happy with the outcome, whatever it is, right? And again, these things are different because I'm not looking to qualify. I'm not looking to win. There's no specific outcome or goal in this. But I think for everybody, including when I'm racing for a specific purpose of um, a result, I think it is most important that I don't create artificial limits. I don't create numbers and outcomes that are absolute by thinking if I don't, for example, break 10 hours, it's not a successful day. Well, subconsciously, we automatically turn it into yes or no. We might tell, us our, tell ourselves that, oh, it's still okay, I went 10.05. But subconsciously, we know the absolute of, no, I did not achieve my goal. And that's unmotivating. It makes it harder for the body to continue on once you start doing math during the event. You never want to do math during the event. You want to continue to stay present and keep pushing and focusing on your footwork and your form and your technique and your posture and your stroke. And if you stay in the moment and you stay in your abilities and you continue to execute your plan, 
and you continue to do your best in the moment, the outcome will present itself. You've done the work, you've done the training, and now you can only do your best. And whether that's a PR and a result that way exceeds your expectations, or it's something not so special and it's way slower than your expectations, what more than your best can you expect? And if you executed correctly and the training went correctly, you should be happy with your outcome. And that's the danger of creating goals that um, are absolute when we try to create a limit, when we try to define success by a number. We do never want to define success by a number. We want to define success by our effort, our mindset, our approach to the day. And afterwards, when we have that vision um, that we executed on the day, it should be the sensation and feeling that we gave our best, that we did stay present, that we executed the way we wanted to. And when those two align, reality on how we executed and expectations, the vision of us executing well, I think the, the, the outcome will be successful. So, and then instead, like, well, this is one way I always race and I would love for everybody to race because it takes the pressure and the uh, positive negative focus off the day and the, the unmotivating aspects of it. You don't want to do calculations during the race. Instead, you want to be making good decisions. You want to stay present. You want to find that flow. And when you're in flow, not flow, flow, like you've read about, but when you're just in a good rhythm and you feel yourself thinking well and good technique and good posture and you're listening to your body, that is a good place to be. And the outcomes from that will be positive. You want to stay task focused right? What do I need to do right now in this mile, as well as moving forward to continue to execute my plan? And that's how I'll go about my entire day with regards to swimming, with regards to biking. I'll have to be patient because my cycling fitness is nowhere near what it can be and it used to be. So I need to approach the race with a different um, vision of the outcome. And I don't have any numbers in mind with regards to a bike split. It's three loops. It's going to be very full with people. There's a half Ironman and there's an Ironman on the same day, on the same course, on that same limited, what is that, 36-mile loop or whatever it is for um, for a 112-mile bike. So, of course, it's going to be full. And it's of course, it's going to be frustrating because there's all kinds of different levels and speeds happening at the same time. But because, A, I know where my outcome is going to be most impacted, that's on the run and pacing my bike properly, and how my outcome is not going to be dictated by a full course. I know that going into it, my expectations about the day are set up for that. So therefore, when it is full, it's nothing new to me. I was expecting this. And I can work instead on the task and focus on what I can control. And that is staying arrow and relaxed and efficient in my pedal stroke and continue to work my way through the 112 miles.
And like I often say, whether I'm super fit or like this weekend will be, for me, racing an Ironman is about um, a means to an end on the bike ride, which means I'm trying to get from T1 to T2 in order to have the best possible run. And the bike is a means to an end to get me from the swim, which I'm sort of good at, and I know I'm in the front of the field. Now I got to get to the run where I also seem to do better comparatively versus the bike. And so I'm looking for the bike to carry me from T1, transition one, to transition two. And I'd like to do that in an efficient, but yet um, expedited way. And expedited, if it's too expedited, it won't be efficient and I'll waste a lot of energy. If it's too easy, it won't be expedited and it'll take too long. So there's a delicate balance between those two. And so during the bike ride, I want to stay present. I want to find a good rhythm. I want to make good decisions. I want to stay on my fueling and hydration. I want to keep a positive perspective. I want to prepare my body and continuously listen and scan my body in prep for a run. And of course, limited bike fitness, and not I'm not saying I'm out of shape. Let's not pretend there, but the fitness that I'm used to, I need to be smart because I want to get to the run in order to use the fitness on the run that I have. But if I use too much energy on the limited, the not up to my usual standards bike fitness, then that might exhaust me and fatigue me more than usual, that 112 mile bike. So then I can't run the marathon like I'd like to run. So again, it's strategy, it's execution. It's fueling, it's hydration, and it's listening to my body and being present. And if it's going too hard and if something's forced, I have to be willing to let go of that and work my way backwards and resetting and recalibrating so that I can again get back to the original plan, which means getting to T2 with the ability to run an effective 26.2. And there will be many things that will go wrong on race day. I know that. It's part of my vision and part of my plan. I know from flat tires to being uncomfortable in the bike position to being exhausted, being tired, being sleepy, having a bloated stomach to um, not wanting to eat or drink because the temperatures are expected to be very high, 92 to 95 degrees, which from the past podcast, you guys know that means on your body, it's like 100 degrees. So it will be a hot day for sure. And again, that's where a good race plan and good race execution and paying attention and making adjustments and changing your expectations because the new reality is higher temperatures, more tax on the body. It'll be mentally and physically more fatiguing to get through this event. And so that's part of the process too and how I'm preparing myself for the battle of Sunday. I said to somebody yesterday, Ironman to me or a 100-mile run to me or a multi-day stage race to me or any type of ultra-endurance event Attilo, a marathon swim, all those things, they are battle for our body. Um, we're about to prepare it for battle. And just like any battle that you've seen in the movies or in the, from the Middle Ages and so forth, many, many people rest um, and sit around before their big battle because 
it's going to be exhausting. It's going to be taxing physically and mentally, cognitively, right? Because you're, you're constantly making decisions and paying attention and scanning and remembering to do things and so forth. You're busy out there, right? And many of you that have raced plenty of these events know that it goes by quickly. You're just busy. There's nothing boring about it. And then in order to prepare for that monster of a day, for the taxing of that day, these next few days are all about slowing down and rest and recovery and sleep. Now, I have been training a bit more. It's going to be um, a solid week of training by the time I get up there, right? But that's fine. Again, my expectations for the outcome are the, the race versus if I'm looking for a specific result um, or qualifying reason and so forth, it's different. So I have expectations of allowing my fitness to display itself on Sunday, but also not um, trying to come off of a week of rest where I was in DC. I need to reignite a little bit of my endurance this week, and that's what I'm doing in the beginning of the week. So um, it'll be fun. It's all part of the experiment, too. I was saying to another one of my athletes, and she's the one up in Vancouver, I was like, I'm coming up there for a weekend of adventure. I'm learning. I'm still learning about my body. I'm doing a fair amount of training this week, but I had so little training last week, and then I had a lot of training the week before. Who knows? This might be the start of a new plan and approach from, for other athletes that have a, a, a lot of experience with this and to hone in on what stimulates and works best for them. And as I often do with training, I try to do it myself and make observations and notes and put some thought to paper with regards to um, how it went for me. Sorry, I'm distracted by my dogs sneezing and shaking outside. Um, it's pretty hot here today, and they're out on the back patio, just um, annoyed by the hot weather, but they just moved to the shade. So yeah, so the other part of that, and that is I was having a discussion with an athlete yesterday with regards to their um, Ironman coming up, and that's the other aspect with, let's say, for example, these this best bike split. Um, all these types of information and data inputs um, limit the possibility of your day. And what I mean by that is whether it's goal times, goal splits, goal wattages, or information like best bike split, or studying past results and where you think you should be. You're creating parameters around your performance and you're creating expectations ever so gently in your mind on where you think you should be and how the day, the splits and the pacing should go. And that's not how racing works. We all know that it's not just some measured controlled environment. There's a lot more people around. There's a lot more factors happening. There's environment, there's temperature, there's terrain. And then there's also how your body's going to respond on that given day. Just because it worked well on Wednesday doesn't mean it'll still work well on Sunday. Just because it showed so many things in training doesn't necessarily mean it'll show that in um, racing. As we learned from the past podcast, inputs do not equal outputs. And your day will not always unfold the way you had imagined or that you projected. And so that's part of this grand sort of 
melting pot of emotions and expectations and reality. And so adding into that melting pot, into that big pot of the race day already, the, what we want to do is pull out of that pot a few specific inputs, and that's our race plan, our the way we want to execute the day, how we envision ourselves executing the day, and not being stuck in a realm of, well, I thought I was going to split 5.30 on the bike, and instead, because of traffic, or because of my stomach, or because of hot temperatures, now I want 5.48. And despite you saying, oh, that's fine, um, it's still a good day, subconsciously, those limiters and that for lack of a better description, in air quotes here, failure of that number still leaves a mark and it will influence the rest of your race as well as how you perceive yourself from that race. So I would highly recommend all of you, even if you have qualifying goals, even if you have podium goals, even if you have age group top five or top 10 goals, is to work with things that you can control and that is your best day. Executing your race plan, staying task oriented all day, staying present, trying to find your rhythm, working on body scanning and your race strategy and your fueling and your hydration and knowing that you're in that mile for that current mile, doing your best to ensure you put those miles together to have the best possible outcome come the end of the day. There's nothing more than you can control other than that. So that is the big picture plan for this weekend. So that will be the Ironman. Um, in the next few hours, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start getting my gear together before I pack it tonight. And that includes food. I'm going to eat um, Cliff Bars um, and some chews up there for the race. And um, I'll buy my breakfast and my prep up there for that part. But on the bike, um, since it's about five to five and a half hours, I assume, um, I'll probably eat about five to six um, bars. So I'll have five to six bars on me or at special needs or partially on the bike. Now, will I get through six bars? Maybe, maybe not. But at least I'll have enough calories and bars that if the day is going well and bars are going down, good, I have them. If not, I'll have other alternatives, such as chews, maybe a gel or two, but I doubt that I'll be doing gels on um, Sunday. The times I would do a gel is late in the run when um, my ability to process, not from a stomach point, standpoint, but from a taste and tongue and mouth standpoint, when I'm tired of bars and solids and chews and the, those type of foods. Um, I might even have some different products in there, let's say, um, you know, a different type of bar at the in transition to, for example, maybe a picky bar or something like that. Because again, to switch the flavors to allow my taste buds and the consistency in my mouth to feel something different. Um, athletes always ask me about their race and nutrition and fueling and needs. And I've gone over this so often. So just variety is the best thing you can have. And you didn't get to this Ironman. You didn't get to this 100-mile run. You didn't get to this adventure. You didn't get to this multi-day event. You didn't get to this um, event that you created or trained for or worked towards or been on this journey for 
to then skimp on um, $20 worth of different types of um, food products to have available to you. Um, don't skimp on that. Have variety available. And guess what? If you don't want it, if you're not in the mood for it, it's okay to throw it out or leave it in special needs and not worry about it. It's part of the bigger picture of you having a calm mind with regards to different fueling options. I'm a big believer in using the aid station uh, in the special needs um, for an Ironman. And most of my athletes know this, but I call it my personal picnic table. It's my little piece of real estate out there in a bag where I have a variety of foods of mine that I train with, that I'm familiar with, and that I'm looking forward to. So from that perspective, um, I can be pretty independent of the course nutrition and hydration all day long. I'll start on the bike with two of my own drink bottles, in this case, precision hydration products. And so that'll be two bottles. So for the first half of the Ironman, for the first, you know, 56 or 60 miles, wherever special needs is, I haven't even looked that up yet, I will have those two bottles and maybe another water bottle full of water um, and maybe a, starting a fourth bottle with some water as well because it's going to be a very hot day, so I'm going to be constantly sipping. So now I'm halfway through, and then at special needs, I grab another two bottles of my own drink. And so all I'm taking on all day is water. That's ideal. I'm not dependent on their products, on stuff that I would have needed to have tested prior and so forth. I am doing something that I am comfortable with and familiar with. Same thing for food. I'll start off with two bars on my bike um, and or however in a pouch or whatever that the bike will have <laughs> that, that I'm borrowing um, or that I'm using. And so that will get me through the first two hours, you know, and then I have two more bars waiting for me at special needs. So that's another two hours. Now I'm four hours in off of, um, off of bars. And then I'll have some chews in each when I start and I'll have some chews available in that special needs bag. So now, again, I've created a five, five and a half, even six hour bike ride day independent of the course nutrition and hydration. Now, there's definitely been courses around the world that I've gone to, and they have the foods that I like or the foods that I would use. And sometimes they have a banana, or oftentimes they do have cliff bars. So I can take that on the, on the bike. It's sometimes easier. Or it's right there in an aid station, and so I just grab it. Not a big deal. But again, I'm confident and my mind is at ease. I can focus on other things where it's not at ease. Um, by knowing I'm independent of the course on the bike ride. And guess what? I do the same thing on the run. Um, I start the run with a variety of my own water bottle. I start running with a water bottle full of water. I clean myself up a little bit. I wash, I cool myself off a little bit and I drink a little bit. Um, so about half of it gets drank right away. So probably eight to 10 ounces. That covers me for the first mile or two. Then I use a little bit to wipe my face and wake myself up. And maybe then a little bit, the remainder I pour on me because it's going to be a hot day and I, uh, it'll feel good, right? So then I get rid of that bottle. So now I'm already covered for fluids and hydration and waking myself up for the first mile or two on the run. And then, you know, usually a gel is okay there, but I'll run out of tea two, which 
transition two with my own product. And that'll carry me till three or four miles in because I won't have that right away out of transition. But maybe I will. Maybe I'll be hungry. Maybe I'll need something. And so for the first quarter or, excuse me, um, four miles, I will have my own. And then now I've got to figure out how to get the special needs runs for the remaining eight miles, eight, nine miles. I will um, use whether it's course product or work my way through something else I'm carrying or running with. It all depends on what's being offered on the run. If it's gels that I don't like, which they often have, um, then I will carry my own. If they have gels that I'm okay with, I will use theirs. Um, from four miles on, that means every other aid station, if I take a gel, I'll need four, uh, uh, you know, uh, three more, three to four more. And I'm not taking in the whole gel, but I'm using every other aid station to get in some calories. And um, yeah, so it just allows the day to keep it simple and allow my own nutrition. And then I'll get to... Uh, special needs on the run and I'll have a few items in there that they don't offer on the course that might be really refreshing for the mind the mouth and uh, my mood when I get there and I see them and so that'll be great too because that's in an Ironman having something different and having something to look forward to and having something to work towards is a nice sensation so in the past, I've done anything from Oreo cookies in there, again, the minty, the cool, the different flavor, to payday, to Snickers bar on cold races, to anything that just tastes different for the day. Now, I don't do that anymore. I used to do that. Um, in the meantime, I switch out the flavors of whether that's cliff bar or picky bar or whatever bars i'm using so it's a different flavor but overall i no longer do the the payday the oreo cookies and so forth um i think my stomach has also changed over the years um over the decades in the meantime of doing this sport that it's gotten a lot more specific and the range that it it, it feels good at has gotten narrower um, I used to have a more ironclad stomach, and it might be due to at those paces, at the slower paces, I was able to process differently, or I just had different expectations with regards to that's just how your stomach feels in an Ironman, sloshy, bloated, full, burpy, not comfortable, um, but in the meantime, I know better, so I avoid things that could cause complications and use those special needs bags as my personal real estate out on the course to fuel and hydrate for what I need. So the other, only other piece I'm going to go into on this day for an Ironman coming up on Sunday is knowing that the temperatures are going to be hot. So let's take a look here. Um, go to the weather app and look at Whistler. And knowing it the other day it was going to be 92. So the process there is that I look at it first of what the temperature will be when we're starting. So it's starting at 6 a.m. So that's an early, early start, um, which is actually the earliest start I've ever done for an Ironman. And I've done 35 to 40 of these. I've never started that early, 6.40, even 6.30. But 6 a.m. will be a very early one. So now it's 93 on Sunday, 
and um, low of 59. Now we all know that the low is usually hit around 4 and 5 a.m. So when we start, it'll be in the low 60s, um, high 50s, which is no longer a worry with regards to being too hot early on. And so then I'll continue to look at the weather from an hourly perspective and get a sense of when temperatures will get really hot, when in the day they will get uncomfortable. And so I'll focus on how far into my day and into the race I will be able to get with before the body starts overheating, before the core gets to a temperature that's no longer, um, that it requires a different strategy. So it looks as though um, temperatures usually hit their high point and uncomfortable point around 11 or 12, closer to 12. So as I'm preparing for the event, what happens is then I start focusing on, okay, what am I going to do for the first five hours? Usually 12, seven, the races start at seven to 12 is five hours. Now I'm seeing, since I'm starting at six, I have six hours into my day before the temperatures really start becoming hot. So that still allows for a pretty decent bike ride and some pretty decent temperatures. Um, it looks like um, around 8 and 9, it'll be 70. Um, 10 and 11, around 75 to 80. And then, in, no, a little bit warmer, 80 to 85. And then at noon, it's probably going to get pretty hot, upper 80s. So I have until about 11 before I start, before anyone. But I know for myself, and I'm going to speak of myself here, before I'll need to sort of back off and change my strategy with regards to effort level, with regards to cooling, with regards to pouring water on me, with regards to how I'm hydrating, with regards to paying attention and changing the body scan more to how is the heat affecting me versus how I'm feeling. And it might require backing off and changing sort of my um, observations, receptors, approach. And so, okay, so we're talking 11 a.m. Let's say the swim starts at 6. So by from 7 to 11, I'll be on my bike. And in the beginning, probably the first loop will be nice and cool. And keep in mind, the first loop will also be pretty empty because that's before the masses, the half Ironman, as well as many of the people who are slower swimmers or starting behind me, will be on the bike course. So, Things will slow down probably or change on the second loop. So therefore, if I were super fit, I would say to myself, I'll really want to push the first loop, get ahead of my avatar, get ahead of my usual plans of how I would race this because A, it's cool temperatures compared to later in the day. B, it's an empty course. I want to use the real estate to my advantage. And C, it's when the body's the freshest and it can absorb the increased workload still without going too deep and before backing off. So, but because I am not at my fittest with regards to the bike, I will pay attention to the effort level and make sacrifices if in case they're a bit higher, but knowing that I still need to be careful, but that these are the coolest temperatures of the day. So I want to be smart about using that real estate for sure. And as the temperatures go up, it's more changing to a relaxed, um, less um, driving and 
uptight mindset of trying to get through the course and just accepting the course and working through and managing and maintaining my body and my temperature and my fluid levels and so forth to get again to the run. If I get off the bike and it's, let's say, 90 degrees at um, noon or 12.30, let's say it's 12.30, um, and, you know, it's 90 degrees and I'm just about to start a marathon in the midday heat, that will add up. Um, if I get off the bike and I'm already sort of feeling the heat from effort level, core temperature, and not maintaining my body well enough for that last hour or two on the bike, it's going to make that first part of the marathon miserable. Um, the back half of the marathon is going to be fatiguing either way because you're exposed to the temperatures that long. But if I can use the first half of the marathon to still run decently and not having been in the pain zone of overheating core temperature, um, it'll be a better overall strategy. Now, the run is going to be the run. It's going to be 90 to 100 degrees. It's going to be a lot of water on me, water in me, a lot of ice, a lot of prep, a lot of staying in the shade, a lot of you know, managing the core temperature and not allowing myself to get too hot, but also not over drinking. Right? We often tend to drink too much when it's that hot. And then the body can't absorb all that fluid because it's too much coming in at once. The blood is rushing to the working muscles, not helping you distribute that fluid through your body as well. Throw in some calories. It all makes it a little bit more complicated. So things need to be more thoughtful, prepared, prepped for that. And I love racing in the heat. So this is um, something I like to work at and with and um, re-familiarize myself with over the next few days because it's been three years since I've raced in that kind of heat. So that's the prep as of Wednesday. Um, that's what I'm going to be looking at. That's where my mind is with regards to an Ironman. That's where my strategy and prep is with regards to an Ironman this weekend. And I will check in tomorrow, um, hopefully in the afternoon because I'll be traveling with a short update on how it's been going. I'm not sure necessarily that a transition day like tomorrow travel day is necessary to, to post too much or record too much with regards to the weekly word, but I will surely check in before the race and make any adjustments and updates and mindset and fueling and hydration and strategy and logistics and what I'm doing for all of you so that it's an easier process for when you go through your Ironman, when you go through your ultra endurance prep, when you go through your um, vision of how you want your day to unfold and creating a, a nice harmony between expectations and reality. So I hope that helps. And um, yeah, we'll keep it short, but effective. And um, oh, and the other thing I'll go over um, before the race is sort of strategy with regards to wattages, with regards to heart rate, with regards to paces. And despite not having numbers in my mind, um, there's still obviously ways to go about your race using the numbers you see. And so I'll dive a little bit into that as we approach race day. All right, everybody, have a great couple of days, and I will talk to you soon.